0: It's of Lamed Dalet and Lamed K, focusing on Lamed Daled and and Vision means seeing beyond the visible. What we deal with today is when agadic material in the Gomorrah appears to be fantastical, do we need to take it literally or metaphorically? And the very question is flawed and leads, leads us to a lot of difficulties because it's based on separating the literal and figurative into two different areas. Does it mean this or does it mean that? Uh, and not understanding the interrelationship between the figurative and the literal <coughs> when we're dealing with Chazal. So the uh, posuk we're dealing with is in Yehoshua. And as B'nai Israel came to the Yarden and needed to cross the River Jordan, the water of the Jordan piled up into a pillar. Uh, and, and, and describes how, how the, river, the river stops, basically, and allows a space for B'nai Yisrael to walk through the river, or the river bed in dry land. Ask the Gemara, the Kama Gov Han Shomai. And as the water was dammed up with an invisible dam wall, how high did the water go during the time it took for B'nai Yisrael? Two million people, or however many there were at that time, to cross the River Jordan. How, how high did the water pile? So the Gemara says, and the two years to the Gemara to Whether it's asking how high it piled, or, or how far back the water was piling up, and the Gemara says, al was twelve kilometers by twelve kilometers. Is what Rabbi Yehuda says. Adam Rabbi. El Shimon says, "That doesn't make any sense, and he works it out and says, kipin you your term is." The water piled up, folding one layer upon another layer until 300 kilometers up into the air. That's how high the pile of water was. is, <laughs> to the extent that all the kings of the East could see it. Now notice Kol Malchem It says all the kings of the East. It doesn't say everybody in the East. Why could the king see it and other people couldn't see it? So here we have to understand. Them. There's an important maral in Bovim Tziya Daf Pei David, where the maral says when the Gemara talks about measurements, about dimensions, you don't take those measurements literally. When it talks about a measurement, the, the measurement is not a literal me- measurement. Um, and he says, for example, when there was a, a very great person when the Gemara is talking about somebody very great, it assigns to that person um, a, a a physical stature. And he gives the example of Moshe's ten Amot high, it doesn't mean that Moshe was ten amot high. Uh, it, it would make all sorts of difficulties in understanding the Mishkan if if Moshe was uh, was ten amot high. That would be like like twenty feet. Is that ten amot would be like thirty feet high? Uh, it, it 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 just doesn't make it doesn't make sense. And that's not the meaning. The meaning <coughs> is that he had the stature of somebody that was um, five times as, as high. As an ordinary person, let's say, an ordinary person is six foot, uh, and, and Moshe was 30, 30 feet it says, so he's five times the stature. And when you looked at him, you saw that stature, because if you look at a person uh, as more than just the physical dimensions of the person, the the stature counts. You see somebody very great, they're, they're big, you know, when... Mushy Feinstein's wife, she, she tells her when they were dating, when they went out, people asked her. She was a, a, a woman of, of, of stature. She wasn't a short woman at all. Uh, when she was younger, she was probably even even taller. And Mushy Feinstein is very was very very short. And they said to her, "Are you not worried about the fact that you're tall and he's so short?" And she said, "Short? I never noticed he's short. I just see a giant." and and that's what it means when you look at somebody and and you see them it's a it's a completely different uh, vision if you look at the person in their in their wholeness there's a very important shiradash the shiradash with the philosophic that the tells gave in in tells. and there he established the whole outlook of tells yeshiva um and and taught how to look at kabbalah and medrash and halacha all together in one in, in one worldview, So the shiru is really a sefer that one should know very well, one should learn and, and know very well. And he gave a series of shirim in, in 1928, about a year before he passed away, called Kichol Bashamay Muvayr. whatever is in heaven is here on earth where he talks about the fact that the, a, a thing's neshama and the thing's goof. And he talks about things, not only about people, the, the soul and the body of a thing. Is the same idea, it's the same concept, it's not two different worlds. It starts off in this world in a physical form and then it has different forms all the way into the spiritual world. And he says it's the same with, with concepts. We talk about about the ta'am of a mitzvah or my time as the Gemara would say, what is the reason? And the word we use is ta'am, which is what is the taste? It's, it's not just because we happen to use a synonym, but we use the same word to mean two different things. It's because that word time when you talk about food having a taste or a halacha having a reason it's the same idea if you get to the neshama of what taste means and you get to the shama of what a reason for something means and what it does to you, and how do you, you relate to it, you realize that at, at a deep level it's the same idea, it's the same concept. We talk about a Godel. talk about a great person. Does that mean he's physically great, or does that mean he's conceptually great? It's the same thing, Sister tells you all. It doesn't really matter. If you say, somebody uplifted me, you say, a, a, a Rav gave a, a drosha and it upli- was uplifting. And you think of a person at the gym lifting up weights, uplifting, is it the same idea? Yes, it's the same idea. You take something that is heavy and weighed down and you defy gravity and you lift it up. That's what you do when you inspire somebody. Somebody's low down and attached to the earth by a gravitational force, the spiritual and emotional gravitational force, and you uplift them, you inspire them. That's the same idea says the Telzerov. It's not like two different ideas. So is it metaphoric? Is it literal? you will say the man lifting the weights in, in the gym, that's literal. The ra- the rabbi gave an inspirational, uplifting talk, I meant it figuratively. I didn't mean he lifted up. No, says the Telzerov. It's not figurative. It's the same thing. Whether you're lifting up a person's spirit or you're lifting up a person physically, it's the same idea. And we need to be able to see that as, as the same idea. And sometimes we spoil our understanding of, of experiences, because we try and reduce them to the lowest common denominator of physical dimension. And particular you see that with the work of art, if I were to look at the at the Mona Lisa, and I would say Leonardo da Vinci's beautiful painting, you know what it is. it's it's fifty six grams of chemical paint, and it's a, a, a half a kilo of canvas put into a wood frame of uh, uh, you know of a kilo of a kilogram. That's what it is. So how much is it worth? Well, How much is paint worth? How much is a canvas worth? How much is the frame worth? That's what it's worth, but that's not what it's worth. Why? Because what I'm not seeing is the design. I'm not seeing the beauty. I'm not seeing the intention. I'm not seeing everything else about it. And, and we tend to see things only in a very, very physical form. If we read a novel and we start getting caught up into, what, is it true? Is it not true? Uh, you read War and Peace and you want to know it's Pierre bazooka of a real person. Did Andrew Bolkonski really, really live? It doesn't make a difference. It's irrelevant. What I would like you to understand is the question is irrelevant. It's not, a, it's not about whether it's figurative or whether it's literal. It's irrelevant. It doesn't make a difference because you're not learning history. You're not learning science. When you, when you want to learn science, go to, to, to the university and study physics and study chemistry. That's, you don't learn Torah for science. You want to study history, go and study history at university. You don't use Torah for history. Torah is looking at the world and at, at life through Hashem's lens, understanding life. So if you look at Tolstoy's War and Peace, it makes a difference if, if Pierre Bezukov lived or not. What is important is the things he felt are true. The development of his character is true. That really happens and that really happened. The conflicts, the, the, the paradoxes, the issues, they're all true. It doesn't matter, it's irrelevant whether the events are are precise or they are not precise. And so it is with the Agadot of Chazal, as the the Maharal learns it, as the Shira Vedas learns it, it's irrelevant whether it's exactly scientifically true. That's not what the Gemara is trying to, to, to teach us. The Gemara is trying to give us a sense of that which is beyond physical dimension. And to give us a feel, but to give a physical being, a feeling of something spiritual and something emotional, sometimes you need to use a physical vehicle. So when the Gomorrah says it piled up 300 kilometers into the sky, does that mean that it piled up 300 kilometers into the sky? Or does it mean that the impact it had on the kings of the region was such as if they would have seen it piled up 300 kilometers into the sky? That was the impact. That's what it felt like. When you looked at the event, it was so miraculous, it was so powerful that it was if you were looking. It, it might mean that it doesn't matter if it means it literally or it doesn't mean it literally. It's irrelevant. What is relevant is that impact was equal to what it would have been if it had piled three hundred kilometers up into the into the sky. The um, the, 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 the the section of Gemara that we're dealing with is all about the mirroring and the crossing of the Yarbe. Um and if, if we look at that, let, let's go further into the next piece of Gemara. So the next piece of Gemara, and you'll see a theme developing. The, the, the next piece of Gemara that we're going to be dealing with on, on, on the base of Lama Dalit is Vayakhberu Lanu Haaretz, let these spies go and let them spy the land. And the Torah uses the word Vayakhberu, hafirah to dig. And the Gemara says, lonit kavnu ela leboshta the miragem intended to disgrace Eretz Yisrael, to reveal the weakness. What is busha? Busha is when you reveal somebody's weakness. Somebody presents themselves as strong, as important, as, as powerful, and you show that you know at the end of the day they're just a human being like anybody else. They get hungry, they get tired. They're just they ordinary human beings. There's nothing magical about the person. You reduce the person to the to the paint and the canvas. You reduce, you reduce the person to a biological fact and you take away from the person the majesty of his neshama. They wanted to rip Eretz Israel of the majesty of its neshama. So when they came back and they gave their report, it was all physically accurate. There's nothing they said that was physically not true. There's nothing that they said that wasn't accurate. It's in the same way as if we're describing the Mona Lisa in terms of the paint and the canvas. It's accurate. That's true. It's X number of grams of paint and it's X number of grams of canvas. That's what it is. It's not untrue, but you're ripping it of the neshama, you're ripping it of the essence of what it really is, if you're willing to, to see beyond that, if you're willing to look a little bit further than that. And that's what the Miraglian did. Yes, they came back and gave a physically accurate report, but a physically accurate report is often completely misleading because it doesn't have within it the, the rest of the story of what, what really makes it real. It's quite possible that in a thousand years, when we tell the story of the establishment of Eretz Israel after the Second World War, and we say things like, you know, six million Jews were wiped out and three years later we established the State of Israel. People will say, they don't mean it literally. They don't mean really six million Jews were killed. It's not possible six million were wiped out and three years later you've got the State of Israel. That's not possible. They mean a big number. That's what they would say. And you talk about the fact that Israel is surrounded by 80 million people who want to destroy them. I don't mean 80 million people, they I mean a lot of people. It, 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 you, you can you start to doubt the meaning of things if you look at it just physically. Because when you're dealing with with miracle and you're dealing with the spiritual dimension, the physical alone doesn't make sense anymore. And, and then you start distorting it and changing it. So sometimes things that are real sound fantastical sometimes things that are fantastical are meant to be understood from, from a much more spiritual perspective and one has to be able to learn chazal in the right, in the right way and different chazals have to be learned in different ways the next piece of gemar we just see the theme through the whole sugya. the hevron sheva shanim Natalif if netzohan mitzrayim, and hevron was built seven years before tzohan mitzrayim was born was, was built. And the Gemara goes on to say it can't mean that literally. So, <speaking in Hebrew> Hebron was seven times more fertile than Soan in, in Egypt. <speaking> in <Hebrew> and there's not a rocky area of Eretz Israel more than Hebron. It's stony and rocky. And that's, with the, that's why they use it as a cemetery. That's why they buried people there because it was rocky and, stone, and stony. And nevertheless, Afilu Haki Soan was the most fertile place in the world. Egypt was the most fertile country. Soan was the most fertile, fertile part of Egypt. Chevron was more fertile, seven times more fertile than than Soan. So when the Miraglin came to Chevron, what did they see? You're looking. What do you see? You see rocks. And, and I had that experience two days ago. On, on, on Sunday. Sundays, we try and get out a little bit and see parts of it as well that we don't normally get a to chance to, to see. And we were down in the, in the south, we were down in the Negev, and you're in the middle of, you know, what it looks like, the desert, desert, desert. Oh, you just travel and travel and travel, desert, desert, a few bedroom little settlements, a camel here and there, and the rest is just desert and desert. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a beautiful vineyard. Producing world-class wine. Just green. How does that all, how does that happen? It happens because there was a man by the name of Iran Raz, who was a winemaker. When he looked at the Negev, when he looked at the desert, he didn't see desert, he saw vineyards. That's vision. A visionary sees something that other people can't see because other people just see the physical dimensions. If you look at the Negev, you see the stones. If you look at Hebron, you see the rocks. But when the Torah looks at Hebron, it sees seven times more fertile. No, that can't be. So the agriculturists will say, that can't be. It's a rocky piece of land. It can't be. Yes, it can't be without Ashgacha. It can't be if you take Hashem out of the picture. It can't be if you're not looking at the neshama of Hebron, as the Telzerov would say. You're just looking at the physical dimensions. Then all you'll see is rock. And you'll miss the opportunities because all you see is rock you'll miss the beauty. If you look at the Mona Lisa and all you see is chemicals and canvas, you'll miss the beauty. If you look at the Negev and all you see is rocks, you'll miss the vineyards. If you look at Hebron and all you see is rocks, you'll miss the beauty of Hebron. And so with the whole of Eretz and so it is with the whole of life, if we limit ourselves to what we see, we won't see the opportunities. And if you look at every visionary, who's done amazing things and built things that nobody else could see or could even think of. That's because they saw things that nobody else could see. Bill Gates saw a a world in which everybody would have access to a computer at a time when nobody had computers. Computers occupied whole floors in buildings. Bill Gates saw, the, saw a world where everybody could have, a, could have a computer. So what happened? He made that world because he could see it. That's what a visionary is. If you limit yourself to what your eye can see, you limit your opportunities and you limit possibilities. What one needs to be able to see, and we learn that when we learn our Gadete in in, in the Gemara, we learn how to do that, how to see beyond the visible, into the neshama, into the very soul of the idea, and to see beyond that which is physically perceptible, and to be able to see the true vision.